Genre. Listeners, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we talk about a great character in a great story, except when we don't, and this is one of those weeks. We're going to be playing a game called Truth or Lie Children's Media. And joining us for the game are our returning guest, John Dorowski. Hello. And also, constant guide in these games, producer Andrew. Hello. Quick fun fact for you guys that is actually applicable to one of my challenges today. As we all know, LASER is an a- acronym, which, for, of course, of stands course. for uh, light amplification something something. <laughs> light I, lost, am- I lost the rest of it. Light amplified by stimulated emission of radiation. Just rolls off the tongue. Mm-hmm. Well, TASER is also an acronym. I know that one. Thomas A. a Swiss, Swiss Electric, electric rifle. rifle. Yeah, So close. It's electronic rifle? No, it's Tom Swift and his electronic rifle. Oh. Based on the 1911 uh, novel, children's adventure novel, which... As a lot, as with a lot of early 20th century children's literature, problematic now. <laughs> yes. Classic, classic element of literature. Uh, okay. Well, the way we're going to play this game is that each of us have chosen six pieces of children's uh, media. This could be books, video games, movies, TV shows, anything. Uh, and we're going to briefly introduce it and then tell a truth and a lie and the other two will guess. If uh, the person chooses the lie that has been made up, the person who told the lie gets a point. If they choose the truth, the person who says truth will, will get the point. So everyone has a chance to get points every round. And listeners, you, of course, are invited to play along and guess the truth or the lie uh, as, as we go through these. Uh, Andrew, how shall we select who is going to be going first? Um, John has brought a randomization device uh, an analog randomization device and okay. it's got 20 sides. So we'll say one through seven is Joe mm-hmm. eight through 14 is John. And then I'll take the remainder. It's a one. So Joseph, right. you get to take it away. Okay. Uh, so I am going to be talking about a, beloved children's cartoon that I believe you've all heard of called Pandemonium. I had never heard of it before I looked it up for this. Uh, Pandemonium. I'm just going to use I think it was only 13 episodes. Let me just double check this before I, I give you the trivia about it. Uh, but it was a, a 1980s uh, cartoon show, short-lived. And I'm going to give you two versions of what the over- arcing plot of the series was so yes it it only ran for 13 uh episodes in 1980 where are we at 1982 year i was born okay is pandemonium about a brother and sister who team up with three talking pandas to race against an evil wizard named mondragor as he attempts to unite the shattered pieces of the pyramid of power oh and the three pandas can combine themselves Megazord style into one giant panda named Papa Panda. So that's plot one. Here is plot two. Is Pandemonium, Pandemonium, a show about kid detectives who solve a new mystery each week 
But in each episode, there comes a point where they get stuck and cannot decipher a clue. So they go to the local library where the head librarian is a talking panda bear. This is never addressed nor explained. (laughs) It's just the head librarian is a panda bear. And the panda librarian helps the children find the book they need that has the information to crack the clue and solve the mystery. John, you can take the first guess. No, as the guest, I will be magnanimous and take the first guest. Uh, I will go with uh, the librarian. All right. I will. I'm actually going to go with the other one. So either way, Joseph can't get a point. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm getting one point because John chose my fake plot uh, about the librarian. There were many shows in the vein of Scooby-Doo about a bunch of kid detectives with strange uh, friends who are or or, uh, individual who helped out or talking cars, things along those lines. Uh, But but Pandemonium was not one of those. It was uh, about a race to get the shattered pieces of the Pyramid of Power with three talking pandas who can combine themselves into one giant panda named Papa Panda. All right, so that's one point for me and one point for Joseph. And the children detectives may show up again. Who oh, knows? Oh, it, it is a theme that uh, that does occur fairly frequently in uh, cartoons, uh, you know, post Scooby-Doo. Uh, I mean, some of these may be pre-Scooby-Doo. Maybe Scooby-Doo is like the breakout that, that everyone remembers. Um, I'm going to try something real quick. Uh, if this doesn't work, Andrew, you can edit out. I want to play the opening credits to Pandemonium because I went and found these on YouTube. And uh, I mean, it gives away the whole plot. Um, oh, if only we had searched out those opening credits. Yeah. <laughs> Here it is. Mondragor, master of evil, steals the magical pyramid of power. Whoever has the pyramid controls the universe. But it falls and explodes in far off Tibet, its pieces scattering all over the earth. Only an American boy sees the explosion. <laughs> he and his sister fly there and meet three panda bears who help them fight Mondragor. From the skies, Mondragor controls wind, fire, thunder, and lightning. But on Earth, his powers disappear, and he can only control the minds of others. And they carry out his evil plans. The race to recover the pieces of the pyramid is on. It's pandemonium! Yep, there's the, uh, the plot of pandemonium. Oh, thank, thank goodness that one American boy saw what happened and was able to fly to Tibet. And <laughs> yes. I, I'll just say that sort of jingoism may show up, show up again. Also not terribly unique in yes. the eighties, particularly. All right. So in that round, Andrew got a point for guessing the correct plot. And I got a point for John guessing my made up plot. Mm-hmm. Um, should we have John go ahead with the, since he guessed first, he'll get to okay. do his his pick. Allow me to randomize. Though, with this 20-sided device, I will have to devise a different approach each time so Andrew can't guess the pattern. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is a nine. Is it going to be a truth or a lie? I think I, I may have played this game a little differently from you guys. I, I, think, I, I think we might have three different ways of playing this game. So, <laughs> I picked... Uh, so, I, what I did was I... Um, instead of doing two plots for one thing, I have two different things, one of which is real, one of which is fake. Oh, sure, sure. That works fine. Okay. It's all fine. The the rules don't matter (laughs) at all for this game. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So uh, as I teased in my fun fact, uh, I have two Tom Swift novels, potentially from 1960. One of these is real. One of these is fake. 
Tom Swift and his rocket cyclocopter. In his unique invention, the Space Arrow, Tom Swift embarks on a precarious search for a lost rocket from space. Swift Industries' latest experimental space rocket mysteriously changes course while it is hurtling back to Earth, landing in an unknown part of the Amazon rainforest. Tom Swift Jr.'s rocket cyclocopter, which makes use of revolutionary scientific principles, is the only vehicle that can get to the ship before foreign agents of a certain country can claim it. Accompanied by his friends Bud Barkley and Chow Winkler, the young inventor sets out to locate the ship. Unexpected dangers confront the Swift expedition every mile of their jungle journey, unruly natives, sabotage, and the legend of a terrifying jungle monster. How they overcome these hazards, as well as their cunning enemies, makes one of the most exciting adventures to date in the Tom Swift Jr. series. Or, Tom Swift and his Spectromarine Selector. Both of these are written by Victor Appleton II, which is, of course, the pen name that everyone used <laughs> when writing these. Tom Swift's newest adventure is his most challenging yet, a deep-sea venture to the ancient city of gold at the ocean bottom. Here, with his pal Bud Barkley and other members of the Swift expedition, Tom tests his two new inventions with the de-organicizer, which employs revolutionary scientific principles. Crusts of century-old sea growth are removed from the city's buildings and the original gold luster restored. With his other astounding invention, the Spectromarine Selector, Tom searches for a valuable new rare metal. If he must succeed if his father is to fill an important government rocket contract. A terrifying sea monster, an abandoned submarine containing human skeletons, a near-fatal leak in the Hydrodome over the scene of the operations, and the unexpected appearance of an enemy fail to daunt Tom in his mammoth undertakings. How the young scientist inventor achieves his goals is told dramatically in this thrill-packed story of undersea adventure. All right, so one of these is real and one of these is not. Yes, I wrote one of those. I think that the real one was the first one. Mm. The rocket cyclocopter? Yes. Yeah, see, that's what I was thinking, and I'm worried we're going to give John two points, but I'm going to I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm going to say the first one is a real story, and the second one, John made up. I fooled you all. <laughs> you made up the rocket cyclocopter? I made up this rocket cyclocopter. Admittedly, crypt from some other summaries <laughs> of... Inspired by. Yes, I borrowed parts from some other ones. <laughs> Always mixing some truth with your eye. It, this is true. Um, but no, the Spectral Marine Selector is the true Tom Swift Jr. story. I, I mean, part of me, I was like, maybe I should go for that because that sounds real weird. Like, I can't actually imagine a person for a game making that up. <laughs> um, so it must have been made up for money. <laughs> Just remember, someone made up the de-organicizer. Yes, that was the other thing. I was like, would John have done that or would somebody... Getting paid. See, I, 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 I could have done. Uh, I could have seen it going both ways. Where it's yeah. like, uh, uh, that's something that clearly that's John ridiculous. Made up, or also, well, hey, that, that's so weird that it had to come from a real book. Guys, mm -hmm. both of them were made up in the end. It's true. <laughs> that, fair point. All right, are you guys ready for my first one? Yeah. Um, again, kind of a different <laughs> tactic from you guys. Um, so you're going to have to determine which of the. I'm going to give you two potential facts about this series and you'll have to tell me the, the truth the scary stories to tell in the dark series i believe you guys might be familiar with that yes uh 
has been a regular on the children's bestsellers list and has sold more than 7 million copies. It's one of the most challenged series across two decades and is defended by library associations because it should be suitable for middle school kids. I did not see that book in middle school. I saw that book in third grade. <laughs> oh, totally elementary school reading. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, here are your two possible facts. Wait, uh, ch- uh, challenge just over two decades? Because I think it's older than that. It is. It, yeah, I was going to say they stopped challenging it. Was, it. <laughs> it was being challenged heavily in the 90s and early and the end of aughts. And parents have given up. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, so potential fact one, the series comprises three books published across 10 years or the series comprises five books published across 12 years. So you got to think how many books and how long was that publishing cycle? All right. I... I think I'm going to be guessing first this time. Yes. And I am going to guess that it is a trilogy across a decade. I only know of three books. That's not to say there aren't five, but I only know of three. So I'm going to go with the trilogy. You are both correct. So a point to each of you um, for that one. It is a trilogy published across 10 years, although there has been uh, an anthology, you know, a Mm. collection. That's been put together. Um, But yeah, routinely on the bestseller list, despite being heavily challenged. And I think rightfully challenged, like on the children's list, I'm like, this seems middle school age. I'm like, I do think it it would be pretty suitable for middle school age. Never saw a middle schooler who hadn't already read it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I have Um, um, a friend of mine who uh, a co-worker professor at a previous university I was working at has written two collections of scary stories for children uh one, one came out a couple years ago and another one's coming out this october and he often talks about how important it is that kids read scary stories and that's one of the go-to texts he's like every kid should be reading this <laughs> it, it's, it's a developmental stage you need to experience mm-hmm. i will never forget the time that uh i took your daughter joseph to see um goosebumps movie and she was just at the right age um but she was she was nervous about the monsters. And so there's a scene with a werewolf early on and she covered her eyes. It's like, Oh, there's a werewolf. And I'm like, it's silly. You can watch it. And it was this werewolf goofing off. And then all the monsters come out and the big bad is the ventriloquist tummy. And she leans over to me and asks, why is that scary? It's like the creepiest <laughs> one guys. She yeah. didn't know that. <laughs> it's always a ventriloquist dummy. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> It's like the worst thing. <laughs> so the goofy werewolf scared her. And truly said, W, what is this? As I was preparing that question, I did look up Goosebumps stuff and uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark stuff. Um, separate fact, do you guys know how many episodes they made of a, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Five series, five seasons, a so um, hundred some. It's it's a hundred even because it was several 13 episode series and then two kind of mini series oh, to follow okay. up. So. And so they got a clean 100 out of it. Um, and the revival series was like like ten years later. Yeah, that they made it. So like, yeah, they did one. Well, they did there. one not too long ago, a couple of years ago. Um, there was a movie, so maybe I, that, I was, that was a miniseries. One of us had the movie in our box office game at some we, point. We were yeah. playing that. Yeah, I don't know. That was a. I thought it was just a TV thing. I didn't know it went to theaters. There yeah, was no, a, a theatrical. Well, I think it was it was scary stories telling the dark and, and are you afraid and of the dark? Are you afraid of the yeah. dark? Both had movies. That okay. didn't didn't do much for our, any of us that had them in our box office game. Yeah, <laughs> that's my my main memory. Like, no, oh, that's a little disappointing. 
All right. So at, at, at the current round, uh, John is leading with three points. Andrew has I, I, one point. Joseph, I believe you mean an insurmountable lead. Oh, yeah, I, I don't I don't see any way to top that. And, and, and I have two points. So it's it's a very surmountable lead. We'll we'll see momentarily. All right. I, I, I kind of mix mine up. Sometimes I'm going to give you guys like two different summaries. Uh, but in this one, I'm just going to give you two different facts. Well, I mean, a fact and a lie. <laughs> so these, these deal with a short lived cartoon adaptation of Swamp Thing from the early 1990s. Uh, if it is ever remembered, which it rarely is, uh, it is often because you'll, you'll see it in a list with about, about this odd choice by the producers of a Swamp Thing cartoon. Now, Swamp Thing is a comic book character from the 1980s that's, you know, part of a key moment of, of what is often said as like a maturation of the, of the kinds of stories you'd find from Marvel and DC Comics. Um, at the time, very uh, like concerned with the environment uh, and, uh, you know, telling different kinds of stories than uh, what had been seen in comics up to that point. But this this cartoon from the early 90s, uh, did it, um, let's see, uh, differ from that comic book series in that uh, outside of Swamp Thing, who does look pretty close to the comic book character, uh, it, it added monsters of the week that Swamp Thing would be fighting. And they are all very clearly previous monsters from Scooby-Doo cartoons that have been recolored. <laughs> so the character design is just old Scooby-Doo monsters. That Swamp Thing is fighting. Or is the theme song of Swamp Thing just the song Wild Thing, but in sing- instead of singing Wild Thing, You Make My Heart Sing, they sing Swamp Thing, You Are Amazing, over and over. I remember watching this cartoon. I don't like, I don't remember enough details to say which one of these is true. <laughs> I, I remember we did watch a, a few episodes and there was a toy line to go with it. Oh. Were they reusing Scooby-Doo toy yeah. molds? <laughs> <laughs> I am going to go with the Scooby-Doo. I'm going with Wild Thing. I'm oh, splitting the vote. It's both again. good choices, though. I, yeah, I, yeah the, the, it's pretty solid options. It is Wild Thing. They just took the song, the, the music from the song <laughs> Wild Thing and sang Swamp Thing. You are amazing. <laughs> Swamp Thing. I knew it. I knew that had to be it. <laughs> and uh, very readily accessible on YouTube. Feel free to go check that one out, listeners. Uh, for, for that, those, those opening lyrics. Four. All right. So we're going to go with a podcast this time. Yes, a podcast for children. Fa- the famous children's podcast market. <laughs> it's a lot bigger than you would expect. Hmm. So first up, we have Suki of Denali. Based on the PBS children's show Molly of Denali, Suki of Denali focuses on Molly's pet Malamut Suki, here voiced by Jeff Goldblum. The podcast focuses on Suki's adventures as he interacts with the children and other pets of the small Alaskan town, as well as training to run in a dog sled and learning important life lessons. Or, Hank the Cow Dog. Matthew McConaughey stars as Hank the Cow Dog, self-appointed head of ranch security. Based on the long-running series of books, Hank is the first to claim to know the answer and the last to realize he doesn't. When a bobcat pawprint shows up at the ranch, Hank and his best friend Drover head into the enchanted forest to find out if there is a real threat to the ranch. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to vote for Jeff Goldblum. 
See, I'm with you in that Jeff Goldblum has been doing some quirky side projects of mm-hmm. late. I know he was, uh, I, I saw like promotion that he was doing a voice in or, or, or playing a character in like a real D&D uh, yeah. podcast. Yeah, I've heard that same advertisement. He's doing some random, uh, uh, you know, Disney, Disney Plus shows. Um, but the character's named Hank the Cow Dog, right? Yes. If you're looking to cast Hank the Cow Dog, <laughs> I think the producers are going to go after Matthew McConaughey first. So I'm going to I'm going to split the vote this time and I'm going to take Hank the Cow Dog. And the real one is Hank the Cow Dog. Really? There is a Molly of Denali podcast companion to the show, but it's just about Molly of Denali, not about Suki. Jeff Goldblum can be heard on the second season of the actual play D&D podcast Dark Dice as the elven sorcerer Balmer. Hmm. Have any of you listened to that one? I have. It's a, and the it lives up the show lives up to its name. It is dark. Okay. I just didn't I mean McConaughey is like running for office. He's in the Lincoln commercials. Why, oh, why is he doing this podcast? It's quite the cast they have on the podcast. Uh it's got um Kirsten Dunst and oh, why are Mike, any of them doing Michael this? Shannon's on it as the Bobcat? <laughs> Why are they doing this? <laughs> who's public. who's footing the bill for this one? Yeah, uh, it was. Are a, they just fans of the was, series? It was uh, a Hollywood production. Uh, that you know, I maybe I mean, I, maybe I, they're looking at you know, can we get something off the ground to mm-hmm. turn this into something more? Which there've been. I read up there were several attempts to try and turn this into a <laughs> show, and so maybe they're trying here. And Matthew McConaughey is very laconic as Hank the catalog. It is mm-hmm. what you want from. <laughs> From Hank, uh, from uh, Matthew McConaughey playing someone named Hank the Cowdog. Right. All right. Are you guys ready for mine? Yes. The animated Dungeons and Dragons cartoon in the 80s ran for three seasons. And one of these two episodes is real. One, it features an episode involving real World War II soldiers, including a Nazi who is so impressed by the heroes that he discards his swastika armband. Or it features an episode in which the heroes plot to kill the primary villain. Okay, so including Nazis or including murder plotting. That's really like what what threshold was being crossed with these children in the TV series. There was an episode that got banned. I know that. I mean, I remember watching a few episodes of this and there's been a story coming up recently about like an episode that got banned for a while. And of course, then they uh, never actually finished the series, so they never came home in the end. I believe, it, fun fact, I believe it was canceled one episode before. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. It the was actual, just before they were going the, to. The finale, the, the season slash series finale episode. So had it been produced and just never aired? Uh, no, it had been written, but not they did not complete production on it. Mm. So am I guessing first on this? Um, I think, no, I think, I think Joe, yeah, Joe you're guessing first. All right. I, ooh, I mean, there was some poor choices in children's entertainment. Uh, we'll get there, Jeff. This isn't what we're not there yet. <laughs> I am going to go with. I mean, as far as like tasteless ways to portray Nazis, having one reform. <laughs> I'm going to go with that one. I'm going to say that someone thought it was a good idea to show a Nazi reforming inspired by these children in Dungeons and Dragons. 
And before Joe Mays gets I had already decided on this mm-hmm. to split the vote. Now we're going to split the vote. And I will go that the children were plotting to kill the villain. Okay. The true answer is that it featured a World War II oh! series with jets and soldiers and the Nazi discarding his armband. They only uh, they only considered killing <laughs> their, their primary your, enemy. You mixed your lie with the truth. Not <laughs> actually plotting to kill him. They debated it. And that was the uh, episode that was especially controversial, John. So uh, you were in I, the right territory. I was in the right territory. But it was not you an just, actual plot. You plotting. just changed the it words was, just enough. It was just <laughs> contemplating killing the villain. They had an actual debate about it, but not ever committing to planning for it. Okay. Um, I I read synopses of several episodes. I have no idea how that World War II soldier thing fits in. Like, it did not seem to have any other context with the rest of that season. I was like, I oh, okay, you've explained this episode, but I don't understand because none of the rest of it interacts with real world stuff well, and you, time travel. You have to remember that they got to the Dungeons and Dragons world by taking a carnival ride that or I think it was a roller coaster that they go through a tunnel and it transports them into dungeons and dragons yeah i I was confused by every every additional word about that tv show i was like i'm more confused every time i read something about it all right um i've got a tally for us joseph's in the lead now with five and john has four and i have now it's an insurmountable lead one point it's always insurmountable Uh, in the first person three yes exactly john (laughs) all right joseph your turn Okay, um, I am going to be doing. Hmm, which one of these do I feel? Okay, um, let's go to a film, Care Bears Two: A New Generation. <laughs> yes, nineteen eighty six animated film. Um, in in the eighties, I mean, Andrew's already referenced that there was Dungeons and Dragons uh, cartoon, mm-hmm. the Rise of Dungeons and Dragons. There, there was also the Satanic Panic as parents became concerned about media influencing their children into following Satan. So, such, thought, a, such as Dungeons and Dragons. I thought the Satanic Panic was they were concerned that child care workers were influencing their children. It's to all worship one Satan. thing. Yes, yes. Also that. Yes, oh, def- okay. definitely part of it. I was here uh, as the child care workers. Dungeons and Dragons, the, is but not it's as also harmonious. music and Dungeons and Dragons. You know, uh, the 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 metal, um, heavy metal bands. Andrew, these you were make all, it sound like you've never read a chick track. Or uh, or uh, you know, Kiss. Uh, you know, all of these are part of the Satanic Panic. Uh, this film was in part a response to this. So did the plot involve uh, as a response to the satanic panic in the 1980s, particularly parents concerns about Dungeons and Dragons. Did it feature a group of friends who are playing the game sorcerers and snakes and get sucked into an alternate world where the care bears must save them uh, from following the demons or was the plot in response to the Satanic Panic of the 1980s featuring an orphan named Cindy who sells her soul to an evil dark figure. And then in the finale, she dies until the Care Bears appeal to the viewing audience to help revive her by chanting, we care, we care. Like Tinkerbell at a, at a, in a Peter Pan play. Yeah. So. John, oh, John's a, got the first pick. It's the second one, of course. I Obviously. Have, I agree and with now, is this Is Care Bears 2 the one where they introduce the Care Bear cousins? Um, let me is check that, the recesses of my mind. It is called a new generation, so I'm going to say yes. The Kerber cousins are the ones who are not bears. Yes, right. Um, I agree with John. I'm going for the second option where they entreat the audience to contribute. 
That is correct. Yes. So the finale has a dead girl on the screen and the Care Bears and cousins, apparently, uh, and like a uh, noble heart horse. And uh, let's see. Uh, yeah. Is it a uh, noble heart the lion? Yes. There's an elephant. Uh, but yes, they, they have to come to the aid of Christy, a young orphan camper who's tempted by an evil shape-shifting figure named Darkheart. And also the first appearance of the Care Bear Cubs, because if you're fighting the Satanic Panic, you need to also introduce some merchandising opportunities by branching out of just bears and also introducing the child version of of your toy characters. I remember the pup named Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo or uh, or Muppet Babies. Right. I remember the Care Bear Cousins. I forgot about the Care Bear Pups. Cubs. Care Bear Cubs. cubs. So uh, John, (laughs) there are bears. So you, you get points on that round. All right. 20. Oh, wait, hold on. I just read a, a line from the Wikipedia entry on this movie <laughs> that I want to share. Upon its release in March 1986, the new generation was lambasted for its unnecessary merchandising tie-ins, poor animation quali- quality, and frightening themes in a children's movie. <laughs> there we go. And then soon after you had all dogs go to heaven. Oh, some of its key elements received comparisons to The Legend of Faust and J.M. Barry's Peter Pan. I, I hadn't read that when I was like, oh, you know, it's the Peter Pan Tinkerbell situation. You but gotta be thorough, is. Joseph. Yep. All right, so I'm going to go into Saturday morning cartoon. And I'm going to be here for a little while. So first up, Hammerman. An 11 episode 1991 series featuring MC Hammer as youth center worker Stanley Burl, who owns a pair of magical dancing shoes, which are alive and can speak. When Burrell puts on the shoes, he transforms into the superhero Hammerman, who dresses in MC Hammer's signature baggy pants and gold chains. What year did you say this one was? 1991. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Kid and Play, 13 episode 1992 series featuring the hip hop duo Kid and Play, who rose to fame starring in the R rated house party films. The show features the duo as recording artists, but when they put their pants on backwards, they would become superheroes who taught life lessons on how to be positive role models. All right. I'm supposed to pick first on that. Yes, you are. Um, well, so here's the big debate I'm having, and this I, I hope this doesn't talk, help Joseph make talk it, it through make a decision. But the only recording artist that I know of in which backwards clothes was a factor was Crisscross, and so I'm going to go with Hammerman because it, just from not being familiar enough with Kid and Play and backwards fashion for them. Do you remember anything else about Crisscross? Is there anything that they make you want to do? Uh, uh, I think jump, 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 right? Yeah, um, but I'm going with uh, Hammerman. All right. Uh, I remember the advertisements for this this one. I don't think I ever saw an episode, but I remember seeing it and thinking that is a very strange cartoon. And it was Hammerman. I saw episodes of Hammerman. It is the real one. There was also a kid in play cartoon, but I slipped in the lie about the wearing pants backwards uh-huh. to try and fool oh, you. What, but what, 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 Andrew I, knew. Andrew saw through my ruse. About I, I knew crisscross uh uh aesthetic yes when when i heard it (laughs) can play did not involve them turning into superheroes they were just recording artists who taught life lessons about how to be positive role models Mm -hmm. all right um andrew can you give us a score update i am worried i didn't give you guys i pointage i have six five five with joseph in the lead okay that is what i have okay i just wasn't sure if i'd been caught but Mm -hmm. one point difference at this point this Uh, might make a chance to catch up all right in the film, The Warriors of Virtue, 
the titular characters in the mystical world of Tao, very loosely based on Chinese fantasy aesthetic, are either anthropomorphic kangaroos or anthropomorphic raccoons. Joseph, you go first. Wait, what what was the the split there at the end? Anthropomorphic I, I, anthropomorphic kangaroos or anthropomorphic raccoons in this Chinese fantasy themed world. Alright, and, and the, the title of the world or or the, the series is The Warriors of Virtue. This is a live action Warriors. film. This is not an animated feature, right, Joseph. Live action Warriors of Virtue. Is it gonna be raccoons or kangaroos? Anthropomorphized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am going to choose kangaroos. John? Joseph, I'm disappointed by your wishy-washiness because we've seen this movie. I don't know that I have, John. <laughs> I think I would remember this. I remember I, it. I know I've seen this movie. I know, yeah, I know I've seen this movie, and it was kangaroos. It, they are the kangaroos, so you both get a point right. on that. Hold on, one. I'm going to look this up real quick. See if they, seeing a visual jogs my memory. <laughs> Warriors of Virtue. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you don't remember, you're not ready for this. I, yeah, I really <laughs> don't think you're ready for this. Images. Oh, I don't think I've seen this. <laughs> you think it would have left a mark? <laughs> I think it was tough. It was the big kung fu oh. craze of the nineties. You had uh, Surf Ninjas, Three Ninjas, Karate oh Kid franchise, I'm and just Warriors of Virtue. Through. Oh, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. How did I miss all the same this? Thing. I mean, it's, hearing you describe it, it's kind of like ah, oh, maybe Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing is like scratching mm-hmm. like yeah. a faint memory. But uh, these visuals, I really think I would have remembered. <laughs> I, I I think it would have left some scarring <laughs> oh my th- this makeup is yes once you can't see once you see it you yeah. cannot unsee it <laughs> oh I, d- I didn't look at the images for this I, I i've seen the images i was just double checking well in fact i didn't have to look anything up for this fact <laughs> i i did this off off the dome yeah <laughs> yes one, yeah you you can't forget this once you've seen it yeah somehow it must have, you you rented it a night when mm-hmm. i didn't want to watch the movie or something <laughs> Or I was I was away on a on a scout camp out or something that the night you you watched this because I'm this did sure. occasionally happen. Yeah. I mean, yeah, ever everyone had movies they missed. If and, if well, I Joseph, ha- this just means you have the chance to introduce this to your kids. I mean, no matter what, this is now haunting my memories. <laughs> uh, what, what I've seen now. <laughs> I mean, the headline you, you, got, I see, you got one of the close ups, didn't you? So I'm clicking on some of these images and you know how it says like what website it's coming from. This one that I just clicked on is uh, coming from a website with an article titled Warriors of Virtue was a terrifying kangaroo filled nightmare. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, I, I really and just don't understand that, where, that, where that movie came from. I mean, showing oh, that the, the Internet. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah. But like. How did it get to this? The users of the internet have too much time on their hand because it does have its own dedicated fan wiki. Oh, it's I'm <laughs> sure, it. Joseph, as we've said, it leaves a mark. <laughs> but a, a lot of people had to process some things. So they went to the wiki to to try and get it out. <laughs> Just going to going to share some stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, this. Mm. <laughs> um, and it, it I mean. The close-ups are are bad. It's much easier to palette them, uh, or they're much more palatable, I should say, when they're doing kung fu moves. And somehow this film didn't get a sequel. I don't know. Um, I think there's some sequel content available. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they planned one. Um, I'd have to check the the wiki. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, 
so the current score, Joseph with seven, John with six, and I with five. Um, so Joseph, take it away to another round. Okay, it's, I'm it's, gonna it's still it's still competitive. All right. Um let's see. I'm gonna go to a to a book series. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, classic children's book. Uh, beautiful art, uh, absurdist story. There's there's something just very ethereally magical about about that book. It has two book sequels, not related to the film series, which has a sequel, I believe. Right? There's a cloud mm-hmm. with the There's at least two two movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the, show. the book series is a trilogy, and is the third book about astronauts who land on Mars, where they discover a Martian society that is facing a challenge in that every night it rains pies from the sky? Or is it about a deep sea diver who discovers an area of the ocean where creatures are made of gelatin, celery stalks, and ice cream? Hmm. John, you get the first pick on that. Mars. I agree. My lies are not convincing you. It is <laughs> it is a, a story of an astronaut going to Mars. <laughs> and pies raining for the sky on Mars. I don't know. Something about the cloudy at the chance of meatball series just told me, it's like, Oh, they're not going to go subaquatic. It's going to be astronomical. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's the next step? Space food in space, not food in the ocean. Uh, I can see it. I I should have rethought my, my, my life. That's on me for, for not making convincing (laughs) enough lie. Now what, what's the second book in the series? Uh, something about pickles in Pittsburgh, I think. Let, let me. That, I I don't know that much. Like Andrew's Warriors of Virtue knowledge, that was off the dome. Uh, <laughs> let me see if that is. It sounds less ambitious than the first and third ones. Uh, pickles in Pittsburgh. Yes, they sequel to Cloudy with the Chance Meatballs, where Kate drifts off to sleep and uh, has a dream where her hun- uh, her brother Henry is a co-pilot, and they visit the land of Chew and Swallow. Uh, I don't know why it's called P- P- uh, Pickles in Pittsburgh, though. Oh, Pickles to Pittsburgh. Oh, maybe there's like a food I, shortage, like a famine hits Pittsburgh. And so they take and, and so they get food from Chew from, and Swallow from Chew and Swallow. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew it was called Chew and Swallow. But for some reason, as you were talking about it, I kept thinking it was the land of good and plenty. <laughs> that's that's not a thing. It's, it's Chew and Swallow. Come on. Yeah. Come on. No, brain. You're thinking of the candy themed movies. I, I'm going to say quote unquote candy. I don't know if I classify good and plenty's as candy. I wouldn't call them a treat. You know what I classify those as? Garbage. Black licorice. <laughs> some people love it. I know. We did not uh, inherit that gene. No, right, but so some is, of our family members care. Are, are we what what's our point tally on your end there? 776. Okay, that's what I had as well. Uh, 13. The randomizer gives and takes. All right, going back to Saturday morning cartoon shows. So we have Little Ellie, an 18 episode series beginning in 1996, loosely based on the childhood of comedian Ellen DeGeneres. Ellie and her friends would use their imaginations to overcome obstacles such as spelling bees, family vacations, and parental rules. Or Life with Louie, a 40 episode series beginning in 1995 based on the childhood of comedian Louie Anderson. The show featured Louis growing up in the fictional town of Cedar Knoll, Wisconsin, where he would use his sense of humor to deal with difficult situations and stand up for what's right. Okay, so he, so one of these is real? Yes. Okay, so here's the thing about my memories of this. 
I've definitely seen some of Life with Louie. Mm-hmm. And that is not how I remembered it, but I know it was real. So I'm going to go with Life with Louie. I'm going with Life with Louie as well. I love that show. <laughs> yes. Little Ellie is fakes. I based it on the 1990 series Little Rosie about the ch- <laughs> childhood of Rosie Roseanne Barr. Oh, I thought it was going to be Rosie O'Donnell. I, no. I was I was seeing Rosie O'Donnell there, too. <laughs> nope. Roseanne Barr. So, All Andrew, right. I believe that, that puts you into the lead now with eight. Is that correct? Um, no, I have seven along with John. You have eight. I have eight. Oh, I've, I've messed up the scoring over on my end. Then I'm going to trust your scoring. I've got very eight, much. seven, seven with you okay. in the lead. All right. I was going to say, I think all of us have been in the lead once you, once you claim the lead, which I'm sure is saving coming some, very some, soon. Andrew. Saving some of my best for last, though. Mm-hmm. All right. I also have some Saturday morning cartoon options. It's a it's a fruitful <laughs> well to draw from. Yes. Guess where I'm going next round. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all right. Yin Yang Yo was an animated series with 65 episodes in the later aughts. It centered on a pair of rabbits being taught a fictional martial art. During the series, it was revealed that their primary villain. Oh, so here's here's my 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 either or, right? So either during the series, it was revealed that their primary villain was their biological father, despite not being a rabbit, or during the series, it was revealed that their martial arts master was their biological father, despite not being a rabbit. Wait, okay. First option was was what exactly? So their primary villain is their mm-hmm. biological father. Despite okay. the the species difference, okay. Or their martial arts master was their biological father, despite the species difference. John, you don't want to guess first, do you? No, it's on me. Okay, <laughs> I am gonna go with. What year was this? The later two thousands. Oh, later two thousands. I mean, at that point, are you going like? Empire Strikes Back, I am your father, or are you going, oh, man, I've been secretly training you because I love you because I'm your father. Um, I am going to go with Martial Arts Master. I don't see how you avoid the Oedipal subtext of these cartoon shows. It has to be that their villain is their father. It was their Martial Arts Master. What? Despite oh. being a panda bear, and it was never addressed. <laughs> like, Much like my fictional panda librarian. <laughs> yes. Never being addressed. Yes. Uh, so that is a point for each of you. Well, no, for for you. Oh. and right. Because John guess. I, yeah, I don't get a point. That's yeah. that's right. I'm falling behind. So I get a point and Joseph gets a point. So it's eight to eight to nine. I'm, I'm clinging yes. to a one point lead. That's right. Eight to eight to nine. This is the moment we destroy him. I feel like. This is a well we could go back to because <laughs> there's so many strange children's, you know, storylines and children's cartoons. Little oh, no, remembering I mean, I mean, children's we cartoons. Still have, we still have like two rounds to go. So I don't want to mention any in case they're relevant yeah. to you. But there's some we, we, we can do it like a quick just off the top of our heads. What are some of the weird ones that we didn't you know, oh, yeah. pull in? Well, also, Jeff, I've been pl- I've had this idea for years yeah. to do on the show. <laughs> well, we, we could definitely come back a around. lot. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with a uh, Saturday morning cartoon show called The Biscuits, spelled B-I-S-K-I-T-T-S. The Biscuits. Oh, uh, so uh, this is a Saturday morning show. Was it a marionette puppet show about foxes who roam a forest and encounter adventures that are disconnected from any sense of time and place? 
In one episode, they help King Arthur complete a quest. In the next, they run into a crash-landed astronaut. And in the next, a cowgirl who needed help rounding up her cattle. So you just never knew what was going to happen with these marionette foxes from one episode to the next. Or is this a cartoon about anthropomorphic dogs who, out of loyalty to their dead king, continue to guard the crown jewels which are held in Biscuit Castle uh, and they're keeping or, or guarding these jewels from the machinations of the king's uh, the deceased king's ne'er-do-well younger brother, King Max, who lived in lower, lower suburbia. Well, Joseph, I think I need to give you a slow clap. Those are some excellent summaries. <laughs> so whichever one you created is it's, very it's good. A, it's, a, it's a good premise. <laughs> yeah. So the biscuits. I'm going to go with foxes. I'm going to go with the dogs. Once again, splitting the points, and once again, Andrew gets the real one. Oh, oh yes. Oh. I just loved that it was about dogs who are protecting yes. the jewels in Biscuit Castle from King Max from Lower Suburbia. What? Why, why is there Lower Suburbia? I, and why are they loyal to a dead king? Sense. No. Oh, I, I, uh, hold on. I, I put in the link here. Let me go see how long was this, this run. I'm thinking it wasn't good. Let's see. 83 to 84 aired 13 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It was then replaced by Shirt Tales, one that I actually do remember yes. a little bit better. I, I briefly considered putting Shirt Tales in as one mm -hmm. of the shows. I do not remember that one. Had a monkey talk like Humphrey Bogart. I, I remember Shirt, shirt Tales. Uh, yeah, uh, it um, it does say that it, it aired on CBS and would have been forgotten, except it was picked up by the Armed Forces Network and so children of... <laughs> the military <laughs> throughout the 80s this is one of the you know one of the cartoons that they had access to yeah i should say that uh, it's always a thing we're just doing american fiction children's no, yeah fiction. We, we, have not, we haven't even touched dipped, international we haven't dipped into some other weird options yeah all right john oh, we got 15 mm -hmm. hold on hold on sorry scanning the wikipedia page came across the line about the the, the biscuits it is exclaimed are explained in the opening narration of the series that due to their good reputation for responsibility and security, other Kings entrust the biscuits with their treasures. <laughs> Naturally. Yeah. All right. So another round of Saturday morning cartoons. Is it Rambo, the force of freedom, a 65 episode series beginning in 1986. <laughs> 65 episode. Yes, which followed John Rambo, you know, from those children movies. <laughs> As he leads the Force of Freedom special unit around the globe to battle General Warhawk and the terrorist organization Savage, special administrators of vengeance, anarchy, and global extortion. Oh boy. I mean, this does have a G.I. Joe feel to it there. That's, or that makes it, is it know, Rocky? Potential. A 30-episode series beginning in 1983 that followed Rocky Balboa, who, hoping to open a gym for teenagers, ends up coaching a gymnastics team which travels the world while they become involved in and solve various mysteries. And yes, the gymnastics team is teenagers. Oh, boy. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Rambo. <sighs> I mean, it's like the least appropriate of the options. <laughs> It does feel, I mean, this would have been, you know, basically a G.I. Joe ripoff. And a lot of those, oh, I mean, you'd get big production orders. Just, oh, man. Um, I'm going to go with Rambo. It is Rambo. Oh, the man. Rocky one, the premise is real. 
It just had a different star from the Rocky franchise. <laughs> Who did it have? That Apollo was Creed? Apollo no. Creed? That was the Mr. T cartoon. <laughs> Wait, what, what was it? Mr. T. Oh. <laughs> Le- leading a group of gymnasts around the world as they solve it, get into mysteries and solve them. Oh, okay. You All know, right. as one does. All right. Are you guys ready for mine? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, this one is not too, too crazy. I loved this show. The TV series Recess. No. I See, this is one that I, I know what it is, but it's just after my time, and I only remember one element of it. I'm not going to say what that element is. Uh, like, just from seeing you watch it, like, I picked up on one thing we that can, always made me we, laugh. We can, we can talk about the elements of it. But did it feature across six seasons more or fewer than 100 episodes so is it over 100 episodes across six seasons or is it fewer than 100 episodes across six seasons this isn't including the movie this is not including the four movies okay all right i'm gonna say i didn't know there were four movies until i researched this question i'm gonna say it's more than 100 episodes i'm gonna say less than okay it is less than 100 episodes, more than 100 segments, because they would usually do 10 minute segments. So in a, in a, in a half hour episode, segment one, commercial, segment two. Oh, okay. And so there were over 100 vignettes. Or, or like storylines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100, 127 of those. And occasionally they would do one that would, that would cross the, the boundary. Um, but it was... Uh, surprisingly few episodes when i looked back on it i was like oh th- they told a lot of story but it- it's like 127 different segments and storylines but it's um it's about half as many episodes total okay the only thing i remember from recess is that uh the kindergartners like swarmed like fire ants and just moved across <laughs> the playground <laughs> is that accurate um, or is that an invention I mean, they usually kept the kindergartners behind a fence <laughs> yeah, yeah but they got out it was just like just the pack move roving through <laughs> yeah um and i do remember i mean one of my favorite episodes is when king bob um the, the king of the playground decides that he wants a monument to remain after he graduates <laughs> from elementary school. And so he, he, he becomes a Pharaoh <laughs> and he enlists all the kids on the playground as labor to create mud bricks and build a pyramid. <laughs> um, and then they revolt. <laughs> so there's a slave revolt, um, but they would do episodes that were, you know, like heavily referencing various media. I mean, there's stuff that's like 2001 space odyssey. There's, there's all that's what stuff. you find on children's playgrounds is a lot of 2001 a space odyssey references cartoons it probably shows up more than there, you know i mean yeah. there was um there was a kid on the on the playground i mean and there was there's a whole array of kids on this mm-hmm. playground but there was one and he's the one who who you go to if you need like the hard truths in life because his name was was butch and he had a streak of white hair that he got when he saw the scariest thing ever his older brother kissing a girl <laughs> He was the hardened, hardened. Yeah, the... so he was, he was the hardened witness of the truth of the world. Um, so that is who got it right. It's a point to I got, me. I got it right. Yeah, I was and wrong. A point to John. All right, so that makes it. I have ten to ten to nine, but I have eleven, eleven to nine. Okay, I I, I will update <laughs> my, my side. 
Uh, and any listeners who are keeping track of you would realize we were all along on the <laughs> yep, scoring we all along. <laughs> I'm not going to double check it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There's no way I'm double yeah. checking it. <laughs> yeah, leave it to the fan wiki people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, as we're going into the last round, Joseph has 11, John has 9, and I have 11. And so there is room for anyone theoretically to win. All right. There's a Power Rangers episode called I Love Lothor. Uh, in this episode, which I, I can't remember which series it's from. There's like 70 series of I mean, Power Rangers. It, it makes a big difference, Joseph. Is, is this Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Is it Dino Force? Is oh, it, I, I think it's a space one. Is, me... it, is, is it space? Is it just space? Power Rangers space. Power Rangers in space. There was, there was one. <laughs> I know there space, was one. In, what, in, what's it in, called? Distant Galaxy or something? Uh, there was that one, too. There's Turbo, mm -hmm. which is where they had cars. You know, it's I, a new one every year. So uh, I'm yeah. checking the recesses. It is, this is from Power Rangers Ninja Storm. Ah, oh, Ninja Storm. Yeah. How could you forget that one, Andrew? Um, I, I forgot several. <laughs> In the episode, I Love Lothor. Is the villain a thinly veiled analog of Lex Luthor, who is introduced, and he initially presents himself as the Power Rangers new benefactor who provides them with a new headquarters, new costumes, new Megazords. And while this is enough to make the, the team all fans of, a hit, of, of his, he also brews a love potion, which is given to the women members of uh, the Power Rangers team who begin to jealously fight amongst themselves over Lothor. Or in this episode, does an alien named Lothor uh, become convinced by his nieces that the earth would accept him as their ruler if he was more popular. So he makes himself the star of a sitcom. John, what are you, what are you going for? I'm going for a sitcom. I'm also going for a sitcom. Can I tell you why? Yes, you may. I'm not sure, but I think, I think the ninja, was it Ninja, ninja Force? Yes. Ninja, or Ninja Storm. Ninja Storm. Yeah. Power Ninja Rangers Storm. Ninja Storm. I think that was one of the Power Ranger series that had three leads and it was two males and one female. So when you said female leads, oh, I was suspicious. Mm, um, Am I correct? Well, you, you were right on the plot. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know if your reasoning stands up to scrutiny. You're, you're not sure if that's the reason that I can claim to be right. All right. Hold on. I'm looking in a little. Well, okay, this is bizarre. It does. There was a love potion in the actual plot. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm reading up more on that. I just read a quick synopsis. Like, I just looked up weirdest Power Rangers episodes, and, and I saw in a the, shorter in version. In the episode about Lothor, there's actually a love potion? The idea is to broadcast a sappy sitcom starring Lothor with a hypnotized spell alongside of it to force all of humanity to adore the evil space ninja. How? Um, but it says... Ratwell's love spell is also used on Cam and Blake, causing them to compete to the death for the affections of Tori. I, I don't know if those are men or women. <laughs> the, there's some ambiguity in those names. <laughs> yes. So, um, I, I, uh, let's see. Uh, this was the it, gender neutral Power Rangers. <laughs> well, no, because it, it mentions a uh, Red Wind Ranger, Blue Wind Ranger, Yellow Wind Ranger, Crimson Thunder Ranger, Navy Thunder Ranger, Green Samurai Ranger. No. Oh. Okay, those are, those are the bonus rangers that come yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, like obviously, they're not the real. Obviously, those are the not the extras. old school Power Rangers. Oh dear! It says uh, amongst the errors listed on this wiki uh, entry <laughs> uh, uh, on it is that one of the characters mispronounces Lothor's names 
and name as Lotor in one line. Mm. Wait. Oh, here's here's an answer. Capri claims there are only five Rangers when there are actually six at this point in the series. Oh, OK. So there would have been six. I didn't watch this particular iteration <laughs> of the Power Rangers. Um, honestly, I the percentage of episodes of Power Rangers that I've actually seen is probably insignificant. <laughs> when but I was a child, mean, a very significant number at this point. Very insignificant number. Well, it just keeps going. Which yeah, it's, it's, it's such a going. strange because because they're they're taking the fight the, scenes from a Japanese show, yeah, but then inserting American actors to create something, and then they when they morph, it's now the Japanese show's footage, right? Yeah, yeah. and they have to put the Americans in costumes that match because they do scenes where they take the helmets off and stuff. Oh, so it's, you're right. You're right. When they're talking to well, uh, Zordon, right? Is that his name? Mm -hmm. Am I pulling in, that in, correctly? In Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, yes. Once we leave Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, we are well outside my area of expertise. <laughs> I, I I hesitate to call Mighty Morphin Power Rangers an area of did, expertise. Did even. you guys see the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie, the live action movie? Oh yeah, which I assume was, which yes. I assume was not repurposing the the Japanese fight. I scene. did see it. Um, yeah, we saw that in theaters. Now, did you guys know that the main villain in that? Also the main villain in Indiana uh, yeah, Jones yes. and the Raiders of the uh, Belloc of, of the Ark. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, why, why is he doing that? Because <laughs> it's 20 years later and he's not making money. Off so of I, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the way my brain works is I can still remember the music video they played incessantly on Fox to promote that movie that I believe had the lyrics. Uh oh, we're in trouble. Something come along, gonna mm -hmm. come along to burst our bubble. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah, I remember that. that, that I remember right. that from the VHS because that's how I was rewatching <laughs> that movie. I mean, Saturday morning cartoons. You you saw that if if you were watching like the Fox shows, like X Men, Spider Man, you saw that ad mm -hmm. six times in an hour. I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, your last round. Ivan Ooze? Is that the name of the villain in the Ivan movie? Ivan Ooze, that's right. <laughs> Looks oh, these things are just pulling. <laughs> oh, my brain has so much to me. What? If only I'd done this for something reasonable and responsible. But instead, I'm pulling out Ivan Ooze. <laughs> oh. Do you remember the original villain villain from the TV show? Rita Repulsa. Yeah, Rita Repulsa. And then and then Lord Gordog, or And uh, uh, Goldar, uh, Goldar was the, was the, was the yeah. accomplice. Yeah. And there's one episode with a pig that wears a knight's helmet. I thought it was a Roman gladiator helmet. Ooh. I think I think it might be a Roman gladiator helmet. Or, was that the know, one where the pig is like like torso sized? Okay, yeah, pig like head is torso, torso sized. pig, pig mm -hmm. face and arms coming out. The, yeah, out the mm -hmm. ears. Yeah. Oh man. All right. I am going to go to action figures. Okay. Remember, these are for kids. <laughs> Based on the famously R-rated film series. The Aliens toy line from 1992. <laughs> Ugly aliens getting you down? Send in the Marines. Battle the Alien Queen, Flying Alien Queen, Gorilla Aliens, or Bull Alien as Drake, Ripley, Pony, Bishop, Hicks, or the Ultimate Marine Atax, who disguises himself as an alien. Blast them and bottle them, and it's bye-bye alien. Or, based on the famously R-rated film series, the Predator toy line from 1992. <laughs> Man. Become the ultimate galactic hunter, hunting beasts on alien worlds. Play as clan leader with whipping dreadlocks, cracked tusk with shoulder mountain missile, scavenge with double barrel bola, or glow in the dark stalker. Predator 
who will survive. Trust in my gut. I'm going with Predator. Oh, see, that's what I was going to do as well. But now I'm worried about getting... Oh. Ah, and you're beating me on so if I do the same as you. <laughs> and no matter what, you're going to stay ahead by one. But if I split it and I'm right and you're wrong, we're tied. Okay. A little game the theory mechanics. choice. I am going to split, even though I think it is Predator, but I'm going to go with Alien. Oh, Joseph. The answer is? You're right. It's Alien? It's Alien. Oh, oh. no. <laughs> the specificity of the Predator's toy line comes from the 1994 Alien vs. Predator toy line, released 10 years before the movie. Oh, man. <laughs> also, I just want to say, for Stalker who glows in the dark, Going in the dark is a terrible strategy for stalking. It, it, seems, it seems like a bad move. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um... Joe, did you just cost me the game? Uh, let's see. No. Uh, well, <laughs> I think you are out of the running at this point because you I, could, I, I have you points. at 10. It's, well, so here's the secret, guys. I do have a bonus in mine. Oh, I have a few That's bonuses only I can pull out too. Yeah. yeah. So I, well, specifically, I have two possible questions for my, oh, my last some, thing. I have some stuff if yeah. there's a tie. Um, oh. So. Let me hit you with my core element on my last one, and then we can we can address additional factors as needed. Current score: Joseph has twelve, I have twelve, and John has eleven. So I could have been at twelve. You could have. You did cost yeah, me there, the game, there were Joseph. many oppor- many opportunities <laughs> that you could have. You did cost me the game, Joseph. <laughs> All right. Um, a Saturday morning cartoon in Sherlock Holmes in the twenty second century. How is Sherlock Holmes brought into the 22nd century? I am grinning ear to ear. <laughs> is it his preserved corpse is reanimated or he is brought through a time travel portal? I know that I've read about this on Wikipedia. I'm just <laughs> trying to remember now. I thought for sure it was going to click as soon as you said it. But now my brain is telling me either one of those sounds like something I read. Oh, <laughs> I, I was doing a research project on Sherlock Holmes adaptations and I read about this. I'm going to say reanimated corpse. As I recall, Watson's a uh, Android in this one, but I believe Sherlock Holmes is a reanimated corpse. You are both correct. His corpse, which had been preserved in honey was reanimated mm-hmm. and yep. euthified. Yep. That's uh, tracks with the, <laughs> Arthur Conan, that tracks with Arthur Conan Doyle's oeuvre. By by a doctor who was in the image of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. And John, you are correct. That was my bonus question was, how is John Watson brought into the story? Either he is cloned or a robot reads the journal. The clone was Professor Moriarty. Ah, uh, but they had, they had a robot evil. read the journals of John Watson, and then he assumed the identity of John Watson. It's always an evil clone, never an evil robot. <laughs> Well, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know that that's a strict rule when it comes to fiction, John. <laughs> um, okay, are you guys ready for the final score? And then we can we can chat. Yeah, about we we can like bring things. out our dead of things we almost uh, introduced. It's Joseph with thirteen, John with twelve, and I have twelve as well. So Joseph is the winner by one point. Shockingly competitive, yeah. I would say. Like, yeah, like it's almost as though we all grew up together and have the same background. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm still freaked out that you pulled out that Warriors of Virtue. <laughs> um, okay, so so what were some of the other things that, I, like, I had pulled up 
I mean, at, at one point, I just went to the bottom of a Wikipedia page and was like, these are the things that were airing on Fox Kids. And like, mm-hmm. I don't know that one. I don't know that one. I don't know that <laughs> yeah. one. So they probably don't know it. Um, so I did that kind of sequence and that got me a couple of things, but not a ton. I didn't go into tremendous detail on stuff. Right. So um, I just want to share one line from Mutant League's uh, fan wiki. Do, do either of you remember Mutant League monsters who play hockey based on a video game? I was going to say, on- is that is that monsters that play soccer? <laughs> uh, close. Uh, apparently, there were video games, Mutant League football and Mutant League hockey. And my memory oh, video games sound familiar is, is that it was uh, the cartoon was was uh, a hockey uh, version of this. But I, I did. I didn't Could find something where were they like like skeletons and zombies and stuff. And like, um, their bodies like, um, I, I just remember it, I do vividly remember a like lizard like monster that was I want to say a goalie and his tail got knocked off by a shot and he, there was a seat of him in the goal holding his tail in his hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, just an array of monsters uh, playing hockey. Um, but this is a line from the opening of the Mutant League wiki. It says the show ran for two seasons, with the second typically incorporating more poignant stories and issues, while the first seems somewhat hodgepodge with little regard for continuity. For example, the monsters have one win streak that ends twice. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I just was not prepared. I almost, I almost did just like, which one of these seasons is considered more poignant and dealing with topical issues? <laughs> So bringing that up reminds me of the Mighty Ducks cartoon. Ah, yes. They it made we, me we, think about the, the Mighty Ducks cartoon yes, as where well. The, uh, interdimensional anthropomorphic ducks come in and start playing hockey in Anaheim while trying to battle some science fiction villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, the, the basic stuff. I also was going to do something with the Super Mario Brothers cartoon, but the live action introduction and mm-hmm. the very awkward celebrity cameos <laughs> that they would sometimes have. There's one clip. I can't remember. It, it was a uh, a she, she was a, a, like a pop star and, and they had her come on to do, uh, you know, to do a bit. And you can just tell she's like reading from the cue cards and is just wondering how her career has cut, reached this point <laughs> that she's standing next to these oh. men dressed like Mario and Luigi. And and they do. Uh, I think they do a Mario. His, Mario's like, let's do the Mario song. And she just looks so disinterested <laughs> as she's singing along sort of half-heartedly. Now, that would be the cartoon series based on the original Super Mario's game, not the Super Mario Bros. 3 cartoon? Um, I, I think so. Uh, but I, I know I know there were a couple iterations, but I just remember um, th- the Super Mario cartoon was on Netflix, and my kids were watching it, and I, I caught that moment. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> she she's questioning life choices right now on camera. <laughs> um, I chose, I mean... There were things in mind that I, that I didn't go for, such as street sharks. You know, oh, the diesel, that's in the radar. first role of those commercials. Um, yeah, that so, just gave me a flash of Bucky O'Hare's. Uh, <laughs> what, what was he? He was a uh, green the, rabbit the, in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and also the biker mice from Mars. Yeah. Oh yeah. yes, I remember a Christmas episode of Biker Mice from Mars for some reason. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and I, I also like actually when I when I was thinking about or, or had seen um, life with Louie in one of the lists, it also made me think about Bobby's world. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I know you guys are probably going to know Bobby's world better than me. That's why I, I don't know one. how obscure one of those episodes could possibly be that it would throw you off. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't, I didn't go into that. Um, I did think about some of the, like the shorter lived things where it was towards the end of my viewing. So I, I was fairly confident that you guys wouldn't have been viewing things like detention or Fillmore. 
Fillmore was Fillmore an interesting sounds, one. That sounds from, like I recognize the name. Fillmore, I don't. I don't recognize that name. Fillmore was a cop drama, but it was hall monitors in middle school, and so they had they had a police chief, and he was like, "Give me, give me your your safety belt," <laughs> um, as as his badge, and and Fillmore's partner had been in detention and was being assigned to be hall monitor because detention wasn't working for her. <laughs> and so he had a partner who was, you know, against Maybe. the grain. I'm edgy. sure he's, he's just about to graduate and getting too old for this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Fillmore, Fillmore was the, the, you know, the best cop in town. But then he was I'll, assigned this, this rookie troublemaker. You, you're, you say it was like a cop show. Just reminded me of dog city. Do you remember that one, John? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a Jim Henson one that had like a puppet introduction and then just an animated dogs as cops cartoon would follow mm-hmm. after the I want to say the 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 Muppet or, or our puppet, you know, it was an official Muppet. like introduction was like the an artist who drew a Dog City comic strip. And then we were seeing the the cartoon was the the comic strip. But I just remember it being Jim Henson's Dog City. Um, well, along the lines of the Aliens and Predator uh Toy lines, which I'm pretty sure one of them potentially had a cartoon series that was canceled <laughs> before it made to the air. Something sounds familiar yeah. about that. Uh, however, there was another famously R-rated film franchise. And actually, the first cut of the first film in that series was NC-17 for violence. So they made not one. Robocop. One, not one, but two cartoon series based on Robocop. Robocop. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yes. And then there was also a Toxic Avenger. From the trauma film mm-hmm. series, Ugh. you know that all the kids love. Yes, I also had um, Rude Dog and the Dweebs, which is a cartoon series based on a cartoon mascot for a clothing line for skateboarders and surfers. <laughs> um, just think, nineteen uh, eighties like color, like the bright kind of neon color palette, uh, and just a, a cartoon dog. Mm. <laughs> and there you have Rude Dog and the Dweebs. Uh, any of you guys remember Cops? Wait, what? like the like the like the Cops show? No, this was an acronym, C O P S. Oh, but they were cops. <laughs> okay, it was just in the future. It was a science fiction thing where, uh, you know, they went up against uh, science fiction based baddies. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, were we kind of light on eighties stuff? Uh, we got some in there, but it's, it's, the Care Bears, like, you weren't uh, born yet, uh, yeah, <laughs> Andrew. And but uh, um, what's the what's the like? I think Joe and I was Silver, in the seventies, and, and Biscuits was uh, well, in the seventies. Like, I figured we would someone would remember Silverhawks. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the the someone would remember the, the one where the, the kid turns into a car or or the, Turbo 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 yeah, Turbo Teen, Turbo Teen, yeah, when it gets too hot or too cold. Um, um, oh, I did look into some of Black Blastar. Yeah, I looked. What's, in, the, what's the one that it's like? It's it's space western, but they have, they're like riding horses, and oh, they're in western costumes. Yeah, but it's a robot horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I know what you're talking about. And I'm he had sure. a name of American type sidekick. Yeah. Um, wonderfully I, sensitive stuff. I looked into a couple of Jack Kirby's cartoon productions, <laughs> trying to seeing if more I could from the seventies, right? His filmation, mm-hmm. animation um, stuff, late seventies, right? early eighties stuff. Like it's, it's mid eighties when he you know, stops working on them. You know, mm-hmm. not too long before his his passing, but um, I just remember we like we had Boomerang on one time, and this was before 
we really had access to boomerang so mm-hmm. it was you know it was just like a treat the, to get... yeah where the cable channels will give you like a week preview of, of yeah, what it yeah, was we had it so it was a treat and they put on a cartoon i remember from growing up called centurions and i'm like oh yeah i remember this and it was just the tail end of the show i was like mm-hmm. oh that's that was nice and then this uh credit starts scrolling and i'm like wait a second so like Half of these, like half these people, are names I recognize from comic books. <laughs> yeah, Mar- yeah Mar- doing, a lot of Marvel people ended up working work. in the uh, the cartoon oh. industry there. Oh man, there is. We had some sort of recorded video of this, and I just remembered it. And I was like, "There's no way I'm going to do it. You guys are going to know it better than me." There's something. It's about people living on Mars, and they have these weird jellyfish. Exo something. Exo. Yeah. I, re- I remember one more that you have. Exo Red Planet or something. Yeah, people with the. Oh, are you talking about Red Planet, the three-part miniseries? Red Planet, the three-part miniseries. That's which the thing is nothing I'm like the book Red Planet that's supposedly based well, on. Yeah, but because there was also the one where there were where Exo people squad. in the exosuits yeah, battling these Exo aliens on Mars, where yeah. there was oh, actually some pretty, pretty I was thinking proud of, political stuff. I think I was thinking of Red Planet, where there's like the weird jellyfish psychic creatures. Yes, yeah, I remember and that. They've got a pet that turns yeah, into a, a big one. A three-part uh-huh. miniseries cartoon that they put on Saturday morning. Oh, I remember recording that. Uh, yeah, all to, uh, so back to back to back three weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah it was an VHS. event series. So you had mm-hmm. to yeah. tune in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you talking about remind me of Exo Squad. Man, there's so many weird car- uh, children's cartoons and we're just going down our memory lane. But I also did enjoy like going out and finding about the biscuits, a cartoon I'd never heard of, <laughs> uh, you know, and like there's just always been weird kids. media. Well, next time, maybe we should pick British children's shows. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you for going and doing this research uh john and andrew and uh playing along on this and thank you listeners for downloading this episode i think we're gonna wrap it up now for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows you can go to duelinggenre.com also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we would like to thank scott tofty who composed our theme music you can reach us by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com or so on twitter you can follow at protagonist pod or at jay Dorowski. our producer andrew is at his minute and our facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonist podcast thank you again for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character and a great story so long Andrew, you've disappeared. I hope you return shortly. <laughs>